0: Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw. Today, I'm joined by Chris Manning, the co-host of the Locked On Cavs podcast to discuss the two teams' upcoming series. We'll break it all down, including some injury updates from the Cleveland side of things. Can Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle finally get right? And a very weird statement from Tristan Thompson comparing him to Josh Hart. All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks.
1: You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Hey, what's up, guys? You are locked on Knicks, and today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKED ON NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase and i want to thank you for making locked on nicks your first listen today and every day these are now available on all platforms so be sure to subscribe on youtube and of course on your audio podcast platform of choice and then if you want to take things to the next level uh be sure to subscribe to our subtext where we will give you daily updates on the new york Knicks, and you can text us with your questions queries concerns and more Uh, i'm gavin shaw your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster and today uh i'm gonna be joined by my guy chris manning if you've been following this podcast uh i don't know since last year's playoffs uh you know who chris is we we have the lockdown Cavs guys on All the time, first of all, because they're fantastic, and we really, really enjoy talking to them. Uh, Secondly, because the Knicks and Cavs have quite the rivalry developing, they're playing uh, two days in a row, so we thought it would be a good time to check in, get all the updates on what's going on in Cleveland. We'll get into it right now on Locked On Knicks.
1: It's a Locked On Cavs, Locked On Knicks crossover here for today. I'm Chris Manning. Gavin Shaw from Locked On Knicks is here. Cavs, Knicks, a twofer. Halloween in Cleveland, November 1st in New York. Gavin, let let's start here. We're gonna t- the way we're gonna do the show is Cavs stuff, Nick so far, and then what we're looking for in this game. But I, on your end of things, are people eagerly anticipating this? Because I, I sense on the Cleveland side, there's a little bit of at least from the fan base, Karis Lavert and others have played this down a little bit. But I think there is some anticipation here. Some some anxiety let's say among the fan base a little bit What what is the, the the vibe around this from from your perspective here you know it's funny I haven't really noticed but maybe I haven't
0: been paying attention enough but I think given the fact that the Knicks start to the season it certainly hasn't been disastrous but I mean there there may be one more made shot against the Celtics from being two and one and being in a pretty good position right now but i I just think like the idea of losing two in a row to cleveland is 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 nauseating for the knicks and like and almost (laughs) like wiping away some of the some of the uh the smugness we've we've developed um since that series win last year you could argue justifiably or not um so yeah so maybe maybe there's like a little bit of like anxiety there's certainly some anticipation on my end i'm really excited to see it because obviously it it depends and, and you can let me know on this who who exactly is healthy for cleveland but i think it will tell us a lot about both teams and for the Knicks I think it's a great opportunity for them to get back into their identity from last year because they they beat Cleveland by doubling tripling heck quadrupling down on their strengths in the regular season and they could certainly use some of that right now because all those strengths this year have, have been weaknesses for the most part
1: yeah what I would the injury thing is I, th- I think as far as the start to the calf season to me that's been the storyline unfortunately and mm-hmm. that's not the most fun storyline. You could look at how Max Drews has played. You could look at Evan Mobley, but it's the it's the injuries. Darius Garland has missed two out of three games. Donovan Mitchell has a hamstring issue and missed a game. Jared Allen has not played yet. Uh, the, the latest from the Cavs side of things in terms of who is going to play and who is not going to play, uh, on Monday, Jared Allen practiced and Donovan Mitchell practiced. Darius Garland did not. So that would lead me to think, Gavin, that maybe – Tuesday, Wednesday is Jared Allen returned for at least one of those games. They said the timeline for him was returning. And then Mitchell, I would suspect out of Mitchell probably wants to play in these games is, is the other part of this, yeah. um, you know, I, so I, I think they'll get at least two of those guys back, but I would say too that over the weekend, they just played two games without Darius Garland and you felt his absence in a very distinct, big way. So I think they'll miss him for these two games. And and for me, I I like that these games are early in the season because I like that you're you're not letting something that was such a big deal last April linger too long when there's already a big gap due to the way the schedule works. But I almost don't – I'm going to – if Darius doesn't play in both of these and the Cavs go 0-2 or something, yes, like there will be some like alarm bells, but it's also going to be hard for me to fully – wrap my mind around that because I Darius is just so integral to this team. So that that's like the bummer of this is just, I would like them to be healthy. I would like both teams to be at full strength. If we're going to do this, that that's the most fun part about this.
0: Yeah. How, have, how has Cleveland adjusted to him being out so far? I mean, is Donovan Mitchell kind of the functional point guard for the time being, or or how are they structuring their offense with him gone?
1: So Friday when it was Mitchell, no Garland Mitchell, did Donovan Mitchell stuff and went off, then they blew a 10 point lead to the thunder mm. and lost. Um, Mitch, what you'd notice is I think the, the big weakness in what I would say is Donovan Mitchell's game, which is that he's not a great creator for others. You get into a lot of pick and roll. You get into a lot of ISO. There's less kind of natural movement within the offense when there's no Darius Garland. Things just don't function as well. And on top of that, this team also right now doesn't have what I would consider a a more traditional backup point guard. Whether they need that fully or not is, I think, a, a matter of opinion and style. But they rolled out Ty Jerome on Friday. I don't think Ty Jerome's like really an answer there. New, New York legend Ty Jerome, I should ask. <laughs> I did not realize. Yeah. Golden State yeah. Warriors two way standout, eating eater king yeah. Ty Jerome <laughs> getting a real contract out of this. But yeah, so good for him. But he was that he sprained his ankle as well. And then mm-hmm. Ricky Rubio is away from the team. So like they don't have like. Like Karis LeVert, bless him, is not going to fill that role exactly, right? So it's kind of becomes a much more direct, simple offense. Like they talked all preseason about this evolution of the offense and speed and motion and evolving things. And There's been some of that so far, but I think it's really hard to do it without Garland. So I don't think you're seeing an offense that is the most modern, updated thing based on what you know people on the Knicks side of things might have seen last year in the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think that's kind of my fascination with Cleveland is, is have they filled that fifth spot? And and you can you can speak on this, but it, it seems like Max Struess has been exemplary for you guys by and large so far, at least looking at the raw numbers. I think he's fourth in the NBA right now and three pointers made per game. And and that obviously like heavily, heavily shaped how the Knicks were able to guard the Cavs in the playoffs and and their willingness to just completely play off Isaac Okoro and, and and forcing you guys pretty early to say like, all right, like maybe he won't be the fixture in this series that we hoped he was going to be chasing around and and bothering Jalen Brunson. And, and, and to me, that was sort of the first domino in the Knicks, like just being able to dictate the style of play and, and, and sort of make Cleveland like pay and hurt for their weaknesses more than Cleveland was able to make the Knicks pay and hurt for their own. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of like in terms of just the Eastern conference pecking order, like that, that's what I'm going to be looking at coming into these games. And, and to your point, like you can only get so much of an answer there when, when, Cleveland's missing one, if not two, if not three, um, all-star level guys. But, um, I'm wondering how that will shift, um, how Cleveland guards them. And I'm, I'm also wondering if, if the Knicks guys can, kind of get back particularly Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle are two best players obviously if they can get back to who they were last year because um at least in terms of their efficiency they have have not been anything close to that and, and the Knicks will obviously need them to be um and, and Randall in particular is a, a fascinating um player in this in this uh, I want to call it a series oh, it is a series I guess it's two game series no, it's a, um, yeah just, it's a series because he was not healthy obviously for the Cavs series but the one game where he was sort of healthy before he got hurt again um was I think it was game was it game three I'm, I'm totally blanking on it, but he had like 13 points in the first half and was really taking it to Evan Mobley so I, w- I wonder if, if if Julius like can harken back to that a little bit and, and find some rhythm
1: yeah we'll, I wanna, we'll get to that I think I'm gonna ask you about Randall specifically and where mm-hmm. you're at on him in segment two the last thing I'll say about the Max Drew's thing is if there's one thing to watch that I think people that haven't watched the Cavs, again, very early so far this year, that has stood out, is Max Struess and Isaac Okoros, while well they're really crashing the glass from the wing. Struess has had a uh, set a new career high in rebounds twice already. He's averaging wow. like like nine or something a game, Okoros crashing the glass. People may remember the Cavs having a real issue on the glass against the Knicks in the playoffs. <laughs> so to me that that has felt very intentional to have their wings really crash the glass, get rebounds, Jared Allen being back. I w- I wonder if that changes things at all if they'll trust the two bigs to do a better job than they than they have in the past to stop offensive rebounds, to actually clean up, clean the glass out a little bit. But look for the wings to crash, look for the wings to get rebounds and if Max Strus gets double digit rebounds again, I'm just going to be like Sure. Okay. I guess it's just a thing you're you're doing now, Max. Good. good for you that you're now just a double-digit, double-double guy from the wing. Apparently. All right. We're gonna talk about the Knicks side of it yet. Coming up next, Julius Randle specifically, and they made some additions as well. And I wanna, I'm gonna, I wanna pick Evans' brain on just them getting DeVincenzo and really doubling down on all of having all of the big wings, which is a, a very nice thing to have. But we'll do that coming up right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, the official sports book of Locked On and an official partner of the NFL. They have a great deal for you right now as well. You can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. The FanDuel app is so easy to use. They have a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over unders, and more. And so, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. Visit fanduel.com slash lockdown and kick off the NFL season. And dare I say, tip off with the NBA season as well. It's FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, so you've mentioned Randall, Gavin and and Brunson. What has been the story with those guys as the Knicks have started this season?
0: Yeah, so um two different issues maybe. Uh Brunson uh overprepared, Randall maybe a little under zone. Um Brunson obviously coming off uh the first season of his career where he was the ninth number one option and very high volume number one option at times. And then, and then a playoffs where he like, it was not three games of doing it. Like it was in Dallas. It was, um, I guess it was 11 games of doing it. And particularly those last three games against the heat that it felt like he was like, fitting 20 games into one. He, he was doing so much um, and then didn't get any time off over the summer, like had to go play for team. Sorry, quote unquote, got to go play for team USA over the summer and uh, travel uh, throughout Asia, which i sure was um, an incredible time and an incredible experience, but it was exhausting because he also had to do a lot there. That was disappointing, probably a little bit emotionally draining. He also got married, which is great. But the, my point is the guy did not really have a second of rest. And I think because of that, the Knicks were very, very cautious with him in preseason and, and ramping him up. And he's had no rhythm coming into the season. This is a guy who's one of the the best like five to 10 foot scores on, on planet earth and like recent NBA history is absolutely, absolutely elite in that territory. And he has been horrific. I think he's something like six for 26 this year in that range He's shooting 29% overall in twos. When last year he was like, what, like a 55% um, Mm -hmm. shooter on twos. So he, he has been really poor there. And I I wouldn't expect that to continue. Like I, I would assume one of these two Cleveland games, he's going to have a moment where he absolutely cooks from that range. He's also taking more threes this year, which is something that I really encourage him to do. See, Um, You guys are obviously very familiar with that concept with Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, but most of the uh, high-volume short guard scores in the league are great uh, three-point shooters on volume. Brunson is super efficient. He only took four and a half per game last year, which is about half as many as most of those guys take. He made eight of them against the Hawks, so I'm hoping for more of that from him. Randall, a different story. Um, Obviously, coming off of ankle surgery, didn't really um, start playing five-on-five again until... Training camp, so I think for him it's just a rhythm thing. He appears to be in fantastic shape, but he's been very turnover-prone. He's somehow shooting even worse than Brunson from two-point range. Uh, I think Drew Holiday like really, really got in his head. The Celtics had Holiday guarding him the first game, and Randall was like, all right, small guy, I'm going to go at him. And that did not go well, and since then he has just not been able to make a shot. Uh, close to the rim, one for 12 this year, stat from uh, Fred Katz, the athletic shout out. Um, he's, he's been uh, one for 12 in the restricted area. So he's been uh, putrid there, almost inexplicably putrid there. So both those guys, you would expect some regression to the mean. But I think it's fair to say that it's concerning that um, two out of the Knicks three games, those two had just about their two worst combined shooting performances as Knicks um, this early in the season, which is is crazy.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the 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 Brunson three pointing It's like almost double the number of three pointers per game. Again, that's a three game sample size. I'm not we can't sit here and say like that's going to be the new normal for for Jalen Brunson. But is is that something like they were being very intentional about? Where they saying, hey, like we need you to do this and ramp up your volume? Is that just like a weird part of the season? Like, what's your read on if that's like a real part of of Brunson's game now that he might take maybe not eight a game but get up to six or, or six and a half something like that?
0: Yeah, you know he's he's just weirdly for someone who is a just fantastic shooter, he's he's never been a high volume guy. I don't think he ever took more than three per game while he was in Dallas um, last year in the Knicks, as I mentioned earlier. Only only took about four and a half threes per game. Uh, there are a couple of reasons for that. Like he he doesn't have the fastest release in the world. Obviously, he's not like a monster athlete, and like even though he's an elite handle, like he's good generating separation going downhill. Um, doesn't totally have like a step back three in his game, but it, it seems like he, he's made a concerted effort to get better at shooting those pull-up threes, like get better at taking quick trigger ones. If guys are playing a little bit too far off of him. And, and I, I think it mostly comes down to the fact that he's, he's just so impossible to stop getting into the lane. And he has um, a million different answers to whatever question you want to pose to him as a defender, when he gets into the lane that he he's just so, so confident in that part of his game. He's kind of like, why should I take a whole bunch of threes? And it, it, it's defensible, but I, I also think it's essential, um, one for the Knicks to open up their offense and two he, he's just noted for his own durability like like obviously he's a he's a, he's a thick boy a lot, lot lot of season there as many <laughs> as you can fit but um he's he's gonna get hurt eventually he's gonna get older and like taking all those hits is, is just not great for his career longevity so I I think he has made it a focal point to add more volume to his game and and I think he just knows it's good for him and it's good for the team um if he can get up as many as possible
1: what else has stood out to you as far as the Knicks with, you know, whether it be bringing in DiVincenzo, whether it's Randall, is it RJ Barrett stuff? Is it Quentin Grimes? Is that, I'm, I'm a, I'm personally a huge Quentin Grimes guy. What what to you has been a, another standout thing with the Knicks so far in the, again, very early three game sample size here. I, I think
0: it's that I'm, um, I'm not sure how I feel about Dante DiVincenzo yet. And I, I was, mm. I expect it to be such a, Big fan of his and I, I spent all offseason kind of like singing his praises and talking about how it's going to be a seamless fit with, with the shared Villanova DNA now four four former guys from those two national championship teams on on the roster and just his ability to play passing lanes and, and be a playmaker defensively and, and essentially replace Obi Toppin, who was used as, as kind of just like a like a spacer on offense with a better version of that. Um, and, and he's had one really good game against the Hawks, two kind of iffy games after a preseason where he didn't hit a lot of shots. And my, my issue at the end of the day is, is less when Devin Chentu kind of is who he is, which is a, a really nice bench piece and, and somebody who could fit right in as a starter. And I think insurance um, for the day, uh, if it comes when the Knicks trade Emmanuel quickly or, or Quentin Grimes. Um, but I, I think my fear there is you're just losing Grimes minutes. And like you, I am a massive, massive fan of his. I think he is like if you ask me like who which guy in this roster is most likely to still be there six seven years from now like he would probably be the number one guy even over Brunson. Um, he, he is yes. just such a tailor made fit for literally any team, but particularly for what the Knicks need. And I think um, he. He's been, he was very good against the Celtics and hasn't shot that well the last two games. And my biggest takeaway on that is he just gets very little chance to get into a rhythm because he's not getting a lot of touches. And when he does get touches, it's saying, like, hey, you better put it up because if like it's not coming back soon necessarily. And this is a guy who has an opportunity to, I, I think, saying, throwing a name out there like Desmond Bain is lofty because Bain has just turned himself into one of the better scorers in the NBA. But, but being Bain light in that he should be taking probably like, 10 threes a game and hitting for them and, and adding in a couple like blow by drives of, of hard closeouts every single night and I just don't think he gets an opportunity to do that or get into that kind of rhythm because the minutes that I, I think probably should be his playing with the bench where, where he could be a little bit more of a focal point are gone because you have to give DiVincenzo those minutes and on nights when DiVincenzo is playing well he's going to play more with the starters and I would just rather that be Quinn Grimes so that that's a little bit surprising the other thing that really stood out um, against the Pelicans, and this is a bigger picture thing, that um, I don't know if the Cavs deal with this as much, but maybe the guard position mm-hmm. was just like how small and relatively unathletic the Knicks looked. And look, that was like that was true last year, and they were they still made the second round. They still could have made the conference finals. Like Miami has that same issue to some degree, and they still find a way to make the finals every single year. But um, th- that's the direction the NBA is going—like really big, really skilled guys. And I'm not sure if the Knicks are quite there. Um, Also, third and final point, whichever one of these you want to expand on, R.J. Barrett. It's been really good to start this year, which has been nice.
1: R.J. Barrett feels like, to me, like the way to go because I think he when he got going in that playoff series, I thought it was a big deal. I I thought when he, after he had a bad game one, he, I think, was pretty decent the rest of the series as far as my my memory tells me. And Cleveland, if Cleveland has a defensive weakness, I think it is just, not that Barrett's going to be your alpha lead scorer type from the wing, but... You know, can he attack Max Drews? Can he attack? Does Does Okoro start and does he? Do they have to find ways for that? Can he attack Kara Levert? I think that's an opportunity, frankly, Gavin, for the Knicks to have some of the advantages they have. If Bear can be big in that series, he's he's absolutely an X factor.
0: Yeah, look, he was coming into the playoffs. He was my single biggest concern. I was making predictions that like all right by the end of the series, like he he might not be starting games or like he or his role will be significantly reduced. And there were there were moments where it was a little bit, but I, I would say all in all he was probably the Knicks' third best player behind Brunson and, and Mitchell Robinson over the course of that series. And I, I thought they were like especially in game two, um, where he really started going at Karis Lavert, I, I thought that was a big moment, like where like the Cavs made an adjustment and the Knicks were able to punish that adjustment because RJ was Um, a more efficient version of the the guy we saw in in the regular season and the bigger thing was just that his process was so much better in the playoffs than we'd ever seen it consistently be in terms of like like consciously like manipulating a defense with the intent to pass instead of always trying to score and like kind of as a Hail Mary passing the ball And, and that has thankfully carried over to this season like he he has been like really sharp about getting other guys involved he's played about as unselfishly as i've ever seen him play and, and while the the shooting percentages aren't like like way better than usual like i, I think his jumper looks pretty good and he's had stretches his career which looked really good and he's had stretches where he's, he's looked like um someone who's like never shot a basketball before so really <laughs> really varies with him um but i i think it's it's super encouraging how he started this year and if that's just who he is like like that'll kind of cushion the Knicks against some regression in other areas that that may or may not be there this year.
1: Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about what we're looking for in this game. And we actually have an in in pod injury update that I'll reveal top of the segment. Not great for the Cavs is what I'll say. We'll talk about that coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Game time. Game time is my personal favorite way to buy tickets. Now, I was in New York this past August. People that have listened to Lockdown On Cavs have heard me tell the story before. But I was in New York. We did we done these ads and said, "All right, I'm gonna try it out." And I planned on buying tickets for Liberty Aces on Game Time. And guess what? I got a great deal. I saved money. I got to see the view from my seat, and my friends and I were happy because we got to go see a great game at a jam packed Barclay Center. But we didn't have to pay as much as we might have on some of those other sites. They have last minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, easy to find and buy tickets for any kind of event, area. not just sports, but concerts and the you know comedy shows, everything. Game and there's also a game time guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less, game time's going to credit you one hundred ten percent of the difference. How great is it? You can buy tickets in, in seconds with two taps, and there's no hidden fees. You know the price up front with Game Time. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use our code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Again, terms apply. Create an account. Redeem our code L O C K E D O N N B A for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price. That is guaranteed. Alright, for the Cleveland Cavaliers tomorrow, no Jared Allen, no Darius Garland, no Ty Jerome, and double-checking to make sure I get the Donovan Mitchell part of this right, Donovan Mitchell is questionable, so TBD, if he's going to play or not, but no Garland, no Allen, no Ty Jerome, two of those names obviously much more important than the others, Kevin, this gets to, I think, what we talked about earlier. This this is going to feel like a big moment. I believe one of these games, at least, is nationally televised. I, but not having key pieces for Cleveland, you know, I think takes away some of, frankly, what we can learn in the interest for me a little bit, unfortunately. That's just the reality of it.
0: When you said all that, I, I just I felt like a pit in my stomach because I was like, oh, this is just such a game that the Knicks would lose in the past. And I don't know, maybe maybe less so last season and and we'll see this season. But I was just like, oh, God, we're going to lose. They, they have all their guys around. That's like someone like I, I I think maybe it's the PTSD of Ricky Rubio dropping like a 38 piece on our head <laughs> the one time. Um so maybe, maybe it's just, I, maybe I need to like, uh, uh, do some therapy on that, but, um, yeah, you, you mean um, you,
1: you're scared of Mac of Max Drew's 50 ball coming your way is what you're telling you,
0: me, you know what, for whatever, whatever, like mental edge the Knicks have on the Cavs, Max Drew's has that on the entire Knicks team. So he's, he's, he's going to come out and be like, guys, just follow me. I know, I know the path here. Um, maybe, maybe he'll have a 20 rebound game and, and improve that average. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, like no Jared Allen, like that's, that that's kind of the first focal point that screams to me like all right uh like julius Randle and mitchell robinson to a lesser extent better get it together and mitch has maybe been the knicks best player this year but that's despite the mm. fact that the guy who set the nba's all-time field goal percentage record is shooting i think 40 percent so far this season but like he he should be able to get Like just have like he had 10 offensive rebounds against the Pelicans. Like if he can come close to replicating that and like get a few dunks and like I don't know, he might be like a bull seeing red against the Cavs again because that was easily his career highlight so far. Like that game five like stands out at his uh Magnum opus, I want to say is that the term? Um, of his his career so far. Um and then Julius Randle, like I, I expect him to really try to go at Evan Moby. And that, that was something I, I wanted to ask you, Chris, certainly before we mm-hmm. wrapped up. I know, I know he had the one, um, 33 point game already this year. Are, are you seeing him making the leap and like, particularly like what are kind of the early results on his outside shooting? Because I, I think, um, Like whenever Alex and I would talk about the series, we were saying like, man, if Evan Mobley just became like a 36 percent three point shooter and like decent volume, like the whole Knicks defensive infrastructure of that series would blow up. And I'm sure that likewise for you guys, that's a big point of conversation.
1: Yeah, I, look, I, I'm probably – I love Evan Mobley. I think he's going to be maybe the best player on this team at some point. I think that the potential is there. But I, I – even though, like, he's – more of his buckets this year are unassisted. It's, like, 45% versus 25% last year. He has, like, the one three-pointer. The jump shot has been a little inconsistent. It's been a lot of him getting downhill, and when he's being aggressive and decisive, he gets in a guy's chest and, and makes an impact there. That's kind of been where it has where it showed up, in my opinion. Um, the Knicks are an interesting test for this because Mitchell Robinson is stronger than him. His best moments, like he had some moments against Miles Turner the other night, who's a very good defender, a stronger guy. He had really good moments against Chet, who's pretty skinny, but he didn't like overwhelm him physically. He's not going to overwhelm Mitchell Robinson or Isaiah Hartenstein, for that matter, physically. That's not going to happen. And Cleveland, will. Pro- I would imagine they're going to start him at the five again. Damian Jones has not been uh, particularly good so far, and Tristan Thompson is Tristan Thompson. Although he did play and and do some vintage TT stuff. Wait, wait did you uh, did you continue. see the quote
0: he had today? He
1: was uh, tri- oh boy about about um,
0: Josh Hart. I don't know. I don't know why this was even a question, but it was like someone was asking like. Like, hey, are you like comparable to Josh Hart as a rebounder? Which is such a weird and he and he said some unless I, I got totally duped here, and this was a fake quote, but it was something no, like I'm looking I'm, at I'm, this, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, he's like, I'm I'm a filet, he's a he's a sirline or or something, which just seems yeah, is it a- just, just in I mean, one, I don't know why that comparison would exist. too like this is a guy who was like out of the league last year versus oh, yeah. and, he, and he's a center and Josh Hart's a wing who's a fantastic rebounding wing, but like I don't know if Josh, did Josh Hart, like walk into like media day and like go up to next media and say, hey, tell Tristan Thompson, I'm I'm a better rebounder than him. I'm coming for him if he plays. Like, how did this happen? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Now this is
1: this is going to now be like what I spend the next like five hours <laughs> of my life on like NBA. Reddit, right, right after we after we to
0: do like a whole whole part too, just on this.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the aggregation I'm seeing from the yeah that we're just the 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 the, the after dark version of the lockdown Cavs locked yeah. Knicks crossover is just like it's just comparing the. Like Tristan in his prime was probably a fillet offensive rebounder, but isn't Josh Hart also like a high grade, like really good yeah. offensive rebounder? Or like wing. I feel like calling he's him a sir... he's he's the
0: fillet of wings, maybe the sirline of of yeah. everyone. Um, but yeah, like like he, compare he, yourself like... to Mister Robinson if you want to challenge Tristan Thompson like that. Like if if he yeah, but what him, not? <laughs> yeah.
1: I don't know. What was the question now is, is now I want to yeah. know, like, <laughs> we're, like I just, I have so many questions about this, about the question specifically. Tristan's also just like very good at giving quotes. That sound great. Like at media day, he had like a very politician. He kind of like, we're hardworking people here in Cleveland kind of thing. And I'm just like, Tristan, you understand what you're doing here. Not. I, I, was going to say that brother. that's how you keep, that's how you keep getting those checks. You just say stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's his role at this point. <laughs> he got a real big pop. I mean, that's what happens when you run the 2016 title team, I guess too. But, mm-hmm. uh, got to tell you, Gavin. The this is derailed. This has entirely derailed me. This 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 is <laughs> I have so many questions about. Okay, now what are, what are, what are, if if Tristan's a fillet, then like what is like Nicole Jokic as an offensive, re- like I have so many questions now. You know, like he's
0: he's, uh, he's a cut of horse steak. I guess this is this is a painful conversation for me to vegan, he, but I think he, that's he, the only he, answer. Oh, <laughs>
1: he he would never. I don't think Nicole Jokic would ever do that to a horse. No, He'd I would hope, like... hope
0: hope not. Yeah, that'd be cannibalism, borderline, but yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, for, for him, yes, yeah. But look, this game. I think the environment's going to be really big. I mean, uh, the person I'm seeing this Aggro fund, in Bondi, was like at Cavs Pacers on Saturday, like there, and he was here early. That tells you something that someone from the New York side of things was here early. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we're not going to learn as much as we might we might have hoped is where I end up with this, Gavin, just because of the injuries on the Cleveland side. That, yeah, that, and, that to me is very unfortunate.
0: No, I... I agree with you and I, I think uh, and I think the Knicks internally will be looking at it as a fortunate thing and saying like all right like this is our chance to get right to like reestablish the identity we had last year and like it's it's this fascinating thing that I, I think and like we, we could maybe wrap on this that I think Cleveland is going to have to grapple with as well that like when you get maybe a little bit deeper and guys make individual leaps how do you incorporate that whilst the- maintaining your identity and not losing like a collective team strength at the expense of an individual like showing off a new skill and I think that's that's been a big thing for the Knicks so far this year where it seems like um someone who comes in our pod a lot uh Schwenny Poo um like he puts that on Twitter I thought it was like he was absolutely right um like he framed it as like like the Knicks right now are a lot of guys trying to get right individually and like and it's hurting them getting right as a team and I, I think that's that's been a big story and I think just because That series was the epitome of what Tom Thibodeau wants Knicks basketball to be. This is like the moment for the Knicks to be like, here's how we're going to play this year. And I I wonder how close they get to that and if they can maintain it coming out of these games.
1: Yes. All right. That's going to be it for this crossover. Gavin, it's always a pleasure. I suspect we may be doing this again later on in the year.
0: I would, I would love to. We were, we were joking about it on our pod the other day, but like like that, we talked to you guys once a month. You're literally you're like unofficial co-hosts of Locked On Knicks at this point, so we we really appreciate the patronage.
1: Well, wait, wait until wait until the any Mitchell stuff like kicks up into like higher sure. gear. Yeah. Which are you? Are you? Are you out on the on Mitchell to the Knicks? Is that where we're going here? Are you saying mm-hmm. like cat? Would you, let me actually let me ask you this as a sure. ranking? If yeah, because I I have a theory. Yeah. That Mitchell ends up with the Cavs long term at least for a little bit longer because I think like where he wants to go may not go for him fully. But if I were to ask you, rank these three guys of, of who you'd like the Knicks to get. Embiid, Cat, Mitchell. How would you rank them?
0: Oh, wow. Uh I weirdly think that Cat just in terms of how he plays is a better fit than Mitchell, but I would I, I Embiid is like universe is a head one out of all those guys. Even, even if I have questions about the playoff guy and how he's going to age Mitchell just has to be two because he's just a total playoff killer. And we've only seen cat like mostly falter in the playoffs with like a few nice games mixed in. But like Mitchell, like I think he's like him and Brunson doesn't make any sense to me on paper. And like, I think it would be weird and they, they both have to make adjustments and defensively, like even though Mitchell's obviously improved on that end in Cleveland, like I just, I wonder how far you could go with those two and like they'd really have to structure their team around compensating for that. Like Cleveland, like, I, I mean like this, this is, this is why it's so interesting. Like I thought Cleveland was the perfect fit for him having Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. And then, and then even, and last year in the playoffs, like you saw like the flaws there. And like part of that was like the issues of playing like two bigs who can't shoot together combined with the flaws of playing two small guards together. And instead of like the strengths amplifying the weaknesses amplified and the Knicks would almost have to do the same thing. And I, I almost wonder if you're, if you're maxing out with that group and like, there's just a very cap ceiling there. But again, Mitchell is just such a, like he's literally well, like the seventh, like leading scorer all time in playoff history in terms of points per game. Like he's, he's a killer. He's, he's an incredible, incredible offensive player. So I'd, I'd have to take Mitchell second, despite the yeah. concern.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think that's wrong. I might go cat just cause like, I I'm not the biggest Randall guy. So I wonder if like you turn cat mm-hmm. into Randall and like, then you could just like keep all your big wings and like yeah. have the defensive infrastructure. But we will see. I'm sure this will not be the last time we talk about Donovan Mitchell and the Knicks on a, on a podcast <laughs> together, Gavin. All right, check out Lockdown Knicks. Check out Lockdown Cavs. We haven't checked out Locked on NBA next to talk to y'all later after Cavs. Next, Evan and I will have a recap. Gavin and Alex will have one up. And then again on Wednesday after the game in New York. Talk to y'all and enjoy the hoops even with all the injuries.